Brilliant. Happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor, SF Walker, and I'm here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. And today we look at sand talk. How indigenous thinking can save the world by Tyson Yukumporta. In my travels, I saw that it was our ways, not our things, that grounded us and sustained us. So I began to find words and images to express those indigenous patterns of thinking, being, and doing that are usually invisible and obscured by a focus on exotic items and performances. We need to begin with the first question that always form a barrier to approaching this knowledge. Who are the real indigenous people? Who among them carries the real indigenous knowledge and what, what aspects of that knowledge are relevant in grappling with the design of sustainable systems today. Stones in the earth and the sky. All those stories and their connections can tell us more than the mere fact that they had existed for a certain number of millennia. They can tell us about how to deal with the complexities and frailties of human societies, how to limit distractive excesses in these systems, and most importantly, how to deal with idiots. Perhaps the transferable wisdom here is simply that most young men need something a little meatier than mindfulness workshops to curtail the terrifying narcissism that overtakes them from the moment their balls drop. Maybe then they won't grow up to be the men who start wars in the first place. This brings us back to the foundational flaw, that Luciferian lie, I am greater than you. People lack their own authentic identities and therefore can only find comfort in assaulting others. For the purpose of the thought experiments on sustainability in this book, an indigenous person is a member of a community retaining memories of life lived sustainably on a land base as part of that land base. Indigenous knowledge is any application of those memories as living knowledge to improve present and future circumstances. Nothing is created or destroyed. It just moves and changes. And this is the first law. Creation is in a constant state of motion, and we must move with it as the custodial species, or we will damage the system and doom ourselves. Nothing can be held, accumulated, stored. Every unit requires velocity and exchange in a stable system, or it will stagnate. This applies to economic and social system as well as natural ones. They all follow the same laws. No matter how hard you may try to separate yourself from reality, 
there are all these observer effects as the reality shifts in relation to your viewpoint. Scientists call this the uncertainty principle. No matter what field you're in, everything is nature, and so follows the same natural law, the same physics. The universe, from your point of view, may be different from everyone else's, but all follow the same laws. First peoples and second peoples, however, seem to have a fundamental disagreement on the nature of reality and the basic laws of existence. First peoples law says that nothing is created or destroyed because of the infinite and regenerative connections between systems. Therefore, time is non-linear and it regenerates creation in endless cycles. Second people's law says that systems must be isolated and exist in a vacuum of individual creation, beginning in complexity but simplifying and breaking down until they meet their end. Therefore, time is linear, because all things must have a beginning, middle, and the end. The story of modern public education, then, is a story of transition between an age of imperialism and an age of modern globalization. It begins like all stories about civilization, with the theft of land from indigenous people. The romantic European image of the knight slaying the dragon is actually a hidden reference to the systematic genocide of what were called pagan peoples. This European tradition of propaganda in which victims of genocide are portrayed as dangerous animals was later used to great effect. The language became more politically correct, but the globalizing goals of cultural uniformity, economic compliance, and homogenized identities remained the same. Public schooling plays a principal role in the story of transition from one age to the next. It is by no means a complete account, but I hope this marginal perspective is far enough out of the box to provoke some questions regarding the sustainability of the global systems that shape our minds and our lives. Where, in our current turbulent period of transition, is it taking us? Do we want to go there? What form will knowledge transmission, aka education, need to take during this transition? A good way to begin might be to listen to as many divergent versions of this history as possible from many points of view. It is helpful to mix things up a little. Avoid putting all your cognitive eggs in one basket. Keep your brain functioning more optimally. Further, you should never commit all of your culture and knowledge to a print or digital repository. Archives are great. But they're only temporary. The Egyptians learned that the hard way. The only sustainable way to store data long-term is within relationships, deep connections between generations of people in custodial relation to the sentient landscape. 
are all grounded in a vibrant oral tradition. This doesn't need to replace print, but it can supplement it magnificently. Those two systems might back each other up, rather than merely coexisting. Relationships between systems are just as important as the relationships within them. Kinship mind, kinship mind, which is about relationship and connectedness. In Aboriginal worldviews, nothing exists outside of a relationship to something else. There are no isolated variables. Every element must be considered in relation to the other elements in the context. Areas of knowledge are integrated, not separated. The relationship between the knower and the other knowers, places and senior knowledge keepers, is paramount. It facilitates shared memory and sustainable knowledge systems. An observer does not try to be objective, but is integrated within a sentient system that is observing itself. Story mind. Story mind. Which is about the role of narrative in memory and knowledge transmission. It is the most powerful tool for memorization, particularly when connected meaningfully to place. This is how song lines have worked in Australia for millennia, to store knowledge and stores mapped in the land and reflected in the night sky. Today, it is also about challenging grand narratives in histories. Dreaming mind. Dreaming mind, which is all about using metaphors to work with knowledge. The circle on the left represents abstract knowledge. The circle on the right represents tangible knowledge. The lines above and below represent communication between these physical and non-physical worlds, which occurs through metaphors. These are images, dance, song, language, culture, objects, rituals, gestures, and more. Feedback loops between the worlds must be completed with practical action. Ancestor mind. Ancestor mind, which is all about deep engagement connected with a timeless state of mind or alpha wave state, an optimal neural state for learning. We can reach the state through most Aboriginal cultural activities. It is characterized by complete concentration, engagement, and losing track of linear time. Ancestor mind can evolve in immersive visualization and extracognitive learning such as revealed knowledge in dreams and inherited knowledge in cellular memory. Pattern mind, pattern mind, which is about seeing entire systems and the trends and the patterns within them and using these to make accurate predictions and find solutions to complex problems. It is about truly holistic contextual reasoning. The first step, respect is aligned with values and protocols of introduction, setting rules, and boundaries. This is the work of your spirit, your gut. The second step, connect, is about establishing strong relationships and routines of exchange that are equal for all involved. Your way of being is your way of relating because all things only exist in relationship to other things. This is the work of your heart. The third step, reflect, is about thinking 
as part of the group and collective establishing a shared body of knowledge to inform what you will do. This is the work of the head. And the final step, direct, is about acting on that shared knowledge in ways that are negotiated by all. This is the work of the hands. Please, do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it and read. Never stop learning. Thank you. Love and respect.